Ladies and gentlemen, Andy here. I am joined by my lovely girlfriend, Emmy. Hi, I'm Emmy. I'm Andy. You're Emmy. Mm-hmm. Tell me three amazing fun facts about yourself. Fun facts. I'm being put on the spot. Go, hurry up. Come on. Fun facts are I do jujitsu. And nice. That's fun. And you're a ninja at jujitsu. I'm okay. <laughs> you're, you're like a black belt. Fun fact I made a gingerbread house yesterday and I finished <laughs> it and it turned out pretty okay. So I'm very happy with that. And third fun fact is I used to be a long distance swimmer when I was a child. Mm. Nice. There you go. Very amazing. So. What are your fun facts? No, I don't don't have any fun facts. All right. So we're going to talk about our relationship. And we've been together for about six years at this point. Or coming up to six years. Five and a half years. And in that time, we have learned a lot. We have done a lot of things that, in hindsight, we could do better now. And we were doing the best that we could at the time. You know, there's you only know what you know. But we've come to realize that in relationships, we're both dumbasses. And that's kind of, we say that with love. I like to look at it like we're students and we're always trying mm-hmm. to learn and improve. But for the longest time, I used to have this big ego, didn't I? And I used to think that we were like, that I was like, I guess we were really good at relationships. And I was so hell-bent on hanging on to this story. And I would say it to you like this. I would always say, you know, our relationship is better than 99% of relationships out there. Mm. Like, look at what the average normie is doing. We're doing way better than that. And I had such a freaking huge ego. I really did. And looking back, it's adorable. But I was so desperate to hang on to that story, hey, of like, Imogen, just trust me, this is a really good relationship. And it's like, based on what proof? Just just trust me. I know that most people are dumbasses in relationships and we're doing a really good job. And funnily enough, I think that the majority, and I have no way of knowing this for sure, but I would guess that the majority of people who are at least in love in relationships probably would make the same assessment. That oh, we're, yeah. we're more in love and we're happier than other people, maybe with the exception of people that are genuinely unhappy. But I think if you're in love, people are like, oh, we have something special that other people don't have. Other people are unhappy. It's it's funny because you said that we're dumbasses. That's probably a bit of a a blanket of most people are dumbasses in relationships. Yeah, yeah. Thinking they're doing uh, maybe better or not realizing at the start that there's plenty to learn. Yeah. And that last thing you just said, plenty to learn is the key point. When I finally was able to let go of that ego and say, do you know what? Maybe I don't know everything. And that just came from a lot of humbling experiences, you know, in our relationship, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But when I was able to step into the place of saying, maybe I don't know everything. Maybe I'm not perfect at relationships. In other words, letting go of my damn ego and my bravado. We were able to start learning and improving. And I think there's a beautiful thing that happens when you say, yeah, I'm a dumbass in a relationship. And you say it in a nice way. To be clear, that isn't said with any malice or beating myself up or anything. It's mm-hmm. a very beautiful way of saying it for me. But to admit, look, I'm the student and I'm always learning means that we can improve things. We can always be focused on a growth mindset or a self-improvement mindset. We can say, how can we make the relationship 0.1% better this week? How can I listen to you better? How can I communicate with you better? How can I be happier in myself? How can we be happier together? How can we do cooler things? How can we make our sex life 0.1% better this week? Mm -hmm. And admitting that there's a lot I don't know 
then frees us up to go and find that stuff out. But I think you might be right. I honestly think that, and I won't say that I know, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people said, yeah, I'm really good at relationships too. And I think that mindset really, or that ego, that bravado stops you from learning and improving. And I think as we've gradually learned to drop that and be a lot more open to learning and changing, that process has been a lot faster. Like how often do you, Andy, say like, we feel like, or the relationship feels drastically different six months ago. Like so much has changed. We feel like different people. And sometimes it's often me who will bring up something from maybe six months ago as if it still might be happening, as it, as if it still might happen again or still might be the case. And you're like, no, it feels like I'm, I'm a drastically different person or the relationship is drastically different. Like so much has changed. And I think that's been very possible and a lot more apparent more recently when we've both been incredibly open to that change and open to the process of learning to adapt with whatever changes might come up. Yeah. The faster you can admit I'm not perfect, the faster you can improve. Mm. It's, you know, I'm reading a lot right now about the Alcoholics Anonymous program, the AA program, the 12 steps. I find it unbelievably fascinating because the author, a guy called Bill, I forget his last name, Bill. He even just goes by Bill. He even used to say, everybody just call me Bill. Back when he came up with all the 12 steps and it was a process of evolution and trial and error and blah, blah, blah. But when he came up with all of this in the 60s, there was very much a something that jumped out to him a lot was admitting that you're a student and that you're kind of, he didn't use this word, but a dumbass and that there's a lot you don't know. And all of the great teachers and, and spiritual teachers and just self-improvement teachers that I've listened to, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, Alex Hamazi, Dan Henry, you know, Chris from Good Looking Loser, Byron Katie, David Hawkins, all of these people, they all encourage a mindset that puts you in the position of a student. Mm-hmm. They all say, if you can be the student rather than the teacher, in other words, if you can humble yourself and not have that ego, then you can be more open to learning and improving because you'll admit, hey, I'm not perfect. That's mm-hmm. why I say, give yourself permission to suck. Really what that is, is it's give yourself permission to admit that you might suck. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with sucking, but I think we're so afraid of that. We're so afraid of not having all the answers or looking like we don't know what we're doing or maybe not being the best at something. And I absolutely had that with relationships. And looking back, I think it's just because my first two relationships, I wasn't really happy in them. Mm. And I don't think the girl, the women definitely weren't happy in them. And I think I was just so desperate with you to be like, no, look, I've got a handle on this. I'm good at relationships. This relationship is good. And to be clear, we've had an incredibly beautiful relationship, but I think it, you know, as I've embraced the idea that, yeah, hey, maybe I'm not that great at this aspect of the relationship, or maybe I'm not perfect at this little thing over here, then I can go, okay, how do we improve that? And maybe to be fair to yourself, and I'm going to speak for you here, but I think because I'm assuming that our relationship is so different from your previous relationships, Mm -hmm. there probably was the sense for you that, like, this is amazing. Like, oh, my God, this is- Oh, it's absolutely a step up, yeah. So much better than what it was. This this is amazing. But I swung so far back in the other- direction the pendulum swung so far in the other direction that it went to this relationship is perfect Mm. and it's like well no relationship is perfect or not even perfect but as good as it's going to get is maybe how i saw your assessment of it yeah for sure because 
there were many times in the past, in the first couple of years of the relationship where you might bring up something and you're like, Hey, I want to improve this. Hey, I'm not happy with this bit here. And I would kind of go, yeah, but look at all the rest of the relationship. Look how perfect and amazing that is. And you would even agree. You'd be like, yeah, I know, but look at this bit here. And I'd be like, woman, how can you not see that the whole relationship is amazing? And it was, mm. but I think I was just so blinded by the, the ego of not wanting to admit, yeah, there's some things I can improve. Do I want to improve them? And the answer was always going to be, yes, I want to improve them because I'm obsessed with self-improvement. But I was so hung on to this idea. I was so desperate to cling on to this idea of me and this relationship as a good relationship, mm. whatever good might mean, as if it's fucking binary, as if a relationship is ever just good or bad and it's that simple. But I was so desperate to label it good that my pride got in the way and it was like, well, then we can't improve these things. Mm. And to be clear, we still improved all those things. It was just like 10,000 times harder. You might have to bring something up to me 50 times. Mm. This is in the past. This doesn't really happen as much anymore. Actually, you answer that. Does it happen as much anymore? No, it definitely doesn't. And I think in the past, there was a sense of, there were points in time where I was like, I'm I'm not very happy in mm. the relationship right now. Like, this isn't feeling good to me. Mm. And I think sometimes I felt a little bit lost. I didn't have anything mm. to gauge it off because this is my first relationship. Mm -hmm. and I was like, but I'm not happy and something doesn't feel right. And I tend to think more negatively and maybe ruminate and focus on the negative sometimes. And you would then often turn to me and say, well, you're not being grateful and you're not appreciating how good the relationship is. Yeah, I'd be like, you're just being negative. Like, and come on, be more positive. In those moments, I'd be like, but I'm, there's something in my body or something that's going on that means that I'm not feeling really happy in the relationship right now. And regardless, and I think because you were maybe disregarding at the time the fact that I wasn't happy with certain things, I would often get more negative because I was like, well, this isn't going to change now and mm. maybe this is just going to be stuck like this and I'm not happy and what if I just keep being not happy forever? Like maybe this relationship isn't right for me. Andy thinks it's beautiful and great and wonderful, but I'm not happy. Mm. Um, and as you said, it, it meant that problems didn't necessarily get solved for quite some time. I think in general over the years I've gotten – or I wasn't always amazing at letting people tell me their negatives or telling me things that I perceive to be negative. And I definitely noticed that in my coaching clients and my audience as well. Many years ago, I used to just, anytime someone would tell me something that I would perceive as complaining or negative, I would, and I try and be nice about it, but I'd basically be like, come on, like you're being negative, like let's be more positive. And in doing so, I think I just sort of steamrolled over a lot of people. I definitely did that with you a lot. Mm. And I think that's one thing I've worked really, I've put a lot of focus on over the last couple of years, especially the last year, on just listening to people's stories and listening to whatever someone is saying. And even if I think they're being negative, mm. even if I'm like, wow, this person is complaining a lot, I will just be there for that and love that and be like, wow, I love that they're telling me this story. I love that they're sharing their insights with me. I love that they're telling me how they feel. I love that they trust me enough that they believe I will listen mm. and not immediately jumping in there and being like, come on, you're being negative. Let's fix this. Instead of me just listening and going, yeah, I understand or help me understand. I will listen. And I definitely did that in the relationship. I think probably more even than my clients. I think like with you, there was mm. a lot of sense of, come on, like you're just being negative. Like, mm. let's just, if you could just be positive. And it's like, that isn't always necessarily easy. And I have 13 years 
on you. As in, I've been improving myself for 13 years longer than you have. Like I've been in self-improvement longer than that. And so, yeah, it might be easy for me to just sit there and go, hey, let's make this positive. I have a hundred tools to do that. I've practiced for like 13 years and I'm older than you. And I think often, or at least in the past, and a little bit from time to time now, I would just sort of say to you, be positive. And it's like, well, I don't know how to do that. And when I think about me, you know, 12 years ago, yeah, I didn't know how to just be positive. And if someone said that to me, I'd probably just get angry. Yeah, there is a sense of like you're you're trying to express something and then you're just like, oh, is that is that a story? And my knee-jerk response is like, fuck off. I don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> it is the feeling a lot of the time. But as you said, it's something that you've gotten so, so much better with. And even now, I think sometimes what maybe the, the only extent to which it plays out is that I might say a statement you'll say, is that a story? And then sometimes I'll respond with like, I don't want to do the work or hmm. no, it wasn't. You're assuming I was being negative. It was, I was just making a statement. And you then, I think, are very understanding in those moments and don't necessarily push. Because I think in the past that was the difference as well, that I would express it like, no, I just want to express this or I just want to be allowed to feel whatever I'm feeling right now. And you'd say like, no, you're just being negative. That's just an excuse. And so on. Yeah. Yeah. I was like the David Goggins of motivation. I love David Goggins to bits, but David Goggins probably isn't. I don't know the guy, but at least from interviews and podcasts and stuff I've seen, David Goggins is very motivational. And he's like, come on, like you can't afford to be negative. Let's be positive. Let's go, 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 go. David Goggins might not be. And again, I don't know. I'm making an assumption, but he might not be the person that would sit there and listen to you for two hours, talk about your feelings. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously, but I've just found in our relationship, David Goggins isn't in a relationship with you, but I've found being in a relationship with you and with my coaching clients and with my friends and my audience, mm. if I can just sit there and, you know, in my head, what I say to myself is I'm like, shut your fucking mouth. And I mean <laughs> that with love. I literally say that with love. I have the smile on my face when I say that. I'm like, shut your fucking mouth. Your job right now, Andy, is to just shut your fucking mouth. That's it. Like, you don't have to do anything. Just don't talk, mm. literally. And that that's- That has been a challenge for you over the years. Oh, I love to talk. Oh, my God. Because I like to solve problems. I like to solve puzzles. I love helping people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that goes so far that I'm almost like a religious zealot who's out there saying, hey, you need to accept Jesus. And you're like, I, I really respect that. But like, you know, I'm just going to have my own personal relationship with the universe or life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, 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 you need Jesus. And it's coming from a good place, but it's- it's forceful. Yeah. And I definitely forced a lot in the past. Mm -hmm. I forced positivity, which isn't really, it's not love. It's not unconditional love to force on someone mm -hmm. positivity because you're basically saying to them, your experience and your feelings are invalid. Like what you're feeling and what you're thinking right now is not okay. And you need to just be positive. And there might be some love in that. It might be coming from a good place, a place of, I want you to be happy, obviously. Mm -hmm but we can be quite forceful. It's like that that joke that isn't really a joke. The scariest sentence that you'll ever hear is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Like that is most governments. They're trying to help. They want mm. you to be happy and look at everything that they do to make that happen. Mm. There has to be force. There has to be manipulation. There has to be persuasion. There has to be literally putting you in a cage if you don't do what they think will make you happy, which is, completely like twisted up if you think about it but it's coming from that beautiful place of i just want you to be happy and safe and okay mm. 
but you have to go to these extremes. And so unconditional love and something that I've stepped into in the last year or so is being okay with the other person being negative. It's being okay with the other person hurting. Mm -hmm. It's being okay with the other person being sad or crying or being upset or any of that. Mm -hmm. And as I've really embraced that and just said like, look, it's not my job to fix her. If she asks me a pro if she asks me a question, I will help. Mm -hmm. I do the same with my YouTube comments and my coaching clients and everyone. Now, if they don't ask me a question or they don't directly say, I would like your help, mm -hmm. then I don't help them. I mm -hmm. just sit there and love them and I understand them. And I say, I'm listening. I get it. I feel you. I'm right here. And I really listen to their story. And then if they say, what do you think? Then fuck yeah, I will jump straight mm -hmm. in there and do everything I can. Or if they're like, I'm just really tired of hurting. I'm sick of this. Then I will say, would you like my advice? Do you want to know what I think? Would you like me to help you? What would you like from me? That's my favorite question. And I ask that of you a lot. And that's something I never used to ask. I was just like, hey, bitch, we got to solve this right now. Come on. You can't afford to be negative. 100%. Yeah. I think another thing that we've both done is with really accepting this student mindset that there's a lot we don't know and that maybe this isn't a perfect relationship. Because to really underline it. I was so hell-bent on that concept, wasn't I? <laughs> For the first, like, three years of our relationship. And it's actually something we've been exploring recently in the last, I don't know, six months, is it? Because I think over the years there's maybe been, as we said, we're constantly adjusting and evolving and changing. And often part of that process, at least for me, is exploring the past and what we used to do and maybe the things that I hold on to or still attached to from the past. Cause it's almost been six years now. Like obviously a decent amount of time has elapsed and maybe letting go of the way things were in the past and realizing that that's not the way that they are now. Mm. And we've been talking about the concept that you, you did say that this was a, like a top 1% relationship, it doesn't get much better than this. It's almost impossible to find I did used a to relationship say that. Like I was this. like, this is the best relationship that either of us will find out there. And yeah, we could make another one. But so it wasn't so much this is the best that we could do. It's more like this is the best in society. That's what I was obsessed with. I was like 99% of people just break up and they don't know why and they're bitter and they're jealous and this and that. And, and look at us, like we're kicking ass over here. And I think to some extent it created a... In the early days for me, maybe a neediness or an attachment because it kind of further solidified the point of like, you need this relationship because things mm. are going to be shit without it or it's never going to get better. You're not going to find something this good. So, hang on to it. And when I wasn't happy, I was like, shit, <laughs> like what's, is this, is this it? Is this all that it can be? Mm. Is it just going to be bad sometimes and this is the best that it's ever going to get? And not again, and not that it's good or bad, but there were points where there was unhappiness and I felt sadness and I wasn't fully satisfied and I know you felt the way that that way too sometimes mm -hmm. and at least on my end I think maybe I developed a cynicism to some extent of like maybe this is just what like a hopelessness this is just what relationships are like like sometimes you're happy and there's nothing you can do about it because it, it's only downhill from here mm. ironically me <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> so me pointing out that most people are unhappy or have lots of points of argument and unhappiness in relationships, mm. which is what I used to point out to you all the time, mm. caused unrealistic expectations. So then you were unhappy in our relationship mm. and felt like, fuck, you know. Yeah, I was and less grateful for the relationship. Yeah, because I was- <laughs> While you were simultaneously telling me, why aren't you being more grateful for the relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was literally saying, hey, most relationships have arguments and unhappiness. And you were like, great. So if I end up breaking up with Andy, you know, for whatever reason, at some point, then I'm just going to go into another unhappy. Great. 
Mm. And he's telling me every relationship out there is shit. And also I was, again, completely basing all of this on ego. It's adorable to look back. I really used to be very egotistical. I think we all have a lot of ego. And mm. my mission in life, one of my missions is to let go of as much of that as I can. Mm. But my God, what a story, hey? Yeah. <laughs> and that story didn't bring me peace. That story brought no. me a lot of suffering. Because I think a lot of the time when you brought it up, you phrased it as like, I'm so grateful over here. What are you doing? Like, mm. why aren't you being more grateful? And I was grateful. I definitely was grateful. But that was like, I was grateful for our relationship because, yes, I, I, I still do stand by my statement, by the way. I still mm. do believe most people in most relationships don't really super know how to be happy. They don't really know how to be independent, mm. blah, 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 blah. There's a million exceptions to that, obviously. And that's what most of you listening are trying to be. You're trying not to be the average or the normal. And there's nothing wrong with the average or the normal. It's average and normal for a reason because it works, mm. because you'll be relatively happy and you'll be relatively safe. But I think a lot of you want something a little bit more than that, and that's beautiful. But, yeah, I was just so hung up on this concept of what is normal and then let's try to not be that, that I was so focused on not losing. Mm. It's like, I don't want to be normal. I don't want our relationship to be average. And it's like, you're not even focusing on what you want then. You're obsessing about what everyone else is doing. In other words, I was so busy thinking about and talking about what the average relationship is like as if I would even know what they're all like anyway. I'm not in most of them. Hmm. You know, I don't go into people's personal lives and see what they're doing, but I was so focused on the average relationship that I wasn't even thinking about ours. It's like I was over in other people's business. I was mm. worrying about other people's business and other people's relationships and how much are they arguing and what is the divorce rate? And look, honey, the divorce rate is 60 something percent in the US. Look, that means most people suck. <laughs> it's like, why are you thinking about what most people are doing? You're not most people. Why don't you just mm. let most people do their life mm. and you do your life, buddy? While you're over there worrying about them, you're not here running your own life. You're too busy worrying about theirs. Yeah. Funnily enough on the divorce rate, and I think this is something that I've said to a couple of friends when just discussing our relationship, I actually think that different people, like not you and I, who maybe aren't as stubborn or maybe don't have the same level of commitment, put under the exact circumstances of our relationship, there's a decent chance they would have broken up. Like I think we've been through a lot. And so even yes. though we're saying that like this is a – or even though we were saying that this is a top 1% relationship, I think that maybe the exact same circumstances could have played out, but it would have just ended. Oh, there was like four points in our relationship, maybe five points where we could have broken up. Mm. And we talked about it and we discussed it. I think the reason that we didn't break up is because we discussed it mm. at length. Mm. Like it wasn't, and we always made sure as best we could that it was you and me on the same team. I think a lot of people, the relationship starts to fall apart when you see the other person as the enemy. And when you start talking to your friends about them, but then you don't go and talk to them. Mm. Do you get what I mean? So it's like you start talking to all your friends about the relationship, which great. That's beautiful. Yes, mm. absolutely do that. That's a brilliant way to, you know, get some outside input, of course. Mm. But then you don't go back to your partner and say, hey, I discussed this with my friends and here's what we were thinking. Can I talk to you about it? Mm. If you just like have all these conversations about the relationship and then never involve your partner, I feel like that's when the beginning of the end starts happening. Mm. Not that you talk to your partner about literally everything. Of course not. Like you don't have time to do that. But if it starts to feel like there's things where, and you've said this with some of your friends' relationships, where they say, oh, I could never tell my partner that. And you're mm. like, why not? 
Or what if you just started by telling them a little baby step version mm-hmm. of that? Just tell them a tiny bit of that. Just start breaking that barrier down. Anyway, long story short, yeah, there were quite a few points in our relationship I think we would have broken up for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another thing that we've done or we've started doing much more is being okay with saying, I don't know, and like I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in the first year, the first couple of years, you were always good at saying, I don't know, because this is your first real relationship. Yeah. And we're often in the dynamic that you were the one teaching and mentoring. So Because I'm older than you. And yeah, it started out, you were very shy and anxious and neurotic and submissive. And you were looking to be guided. You were 18 when we met. Yeah. Funnily enough, actually, the girl that we um, have most recently seen, um, somebody knew you in your favourite fashion, Andy, were telling the story of how we met, which is not especially flattering towards me. It's an adorable story of how we met. Would you like to tell the listeners right now? I think they would love to hear this story. I don't like the story. So if it's going to get told, you can tell it. But essentially, do you want to go? Yeah, I'll just tell the bits. Well, basically, when we first met, you were very nervous. You were very neurotic. You were very shy. We go back to my place. You were just incredibly nervous and hot and shaking and kind of scared. And you wanted to jump straight to sex Mm. because you were just so nervous. And we knew we were going to meet up for sex, to be clear. Like, literally, I had mentioned BDSM. That's what we met for. We discussed it beforehand. You know, we knew we were there for BDSM. You wanted to jump straight to sex to the point where you just like ripped your shirt off and you were just there in your bra and you were basically like begging me sort of, can we just jump straight to the sex part? I'm really nervous. I don't want to sit here and talk. Can we just get straight to it? And I was like, whoa, chill. Like normally I would jump straight to sex too because I'd find that passionate, but I could see that you were really nervous and I wanted to make sure that you were okay and that you actually wanted to do this and that you were doing this for the right reasons. So I was like, yeah, we can just chill for a little bit and cuddle. And I think I held you for a little bit. And we just kind of talked for a little bit. And then we had sex, like, yeah, 10 or 15 minutes later, we started having sex. But Mm. that's the nice version of the story. There you go. I told it in a (laughs) flattering way. I told that in a sweet way. (laughs) As flattering as it could possibly have been. Yeah, I left out some details that were very adorable. Like, you. Anyway. um, Hey, wait, I get to know, because they're going to want to know. Everyone's going to want to know. Well, I can be left in suspense. But basically, you told that story to the girl that we've most recently seen. And she seemed, or at least the impression that I got was she was like, really? Like, she was a bit. A bit shocked and surprised because I think now when we meet anybody, especially anybody new, I'm pretty chill and I'm pretty You're composed. very confident <laughs> now. You're a completely different human being, completely and utterly in every way imaginable. And people who watch our YouTube channel will see you on the channel. Because by the way, you come on the YouTube channel a lot. So mm-hmm. any of you listening, if you only ever listen to this Spotify podcast, you're missing out on a lot. You can definitely jump over to YouTube if you want to and check out all the content on there. It's, it's like additional content to what's on here. Mm. And you come on the podcast a lot. Sometimes we have girls that we're dating on the podcast, but you're very confident. Yeah. And a lot has changed, I guess, is the point that I was making with all of that. Do we want to talk about some of the things that have actually changed? Like some of the things that we've- Talk about some of the things we weren't that great at. Yeah. I We said this before, I wasn't good at just listening. I always tried to fix everything. So we've already covered that. Mm. I wasn't good at letting you cry or be sad. Because I think a lot of men feel like that, to be honest. I think a lot of people feel like that. It's just that, generally speaking, the man's probably in most relationships not crying like a lot. Mm. But but I think, like, whenever a man is sad, a woman will want to get in there and be like, holy shit, I don't want my man to be sad. I love him. 
Yeah. You know? and, and it reflects, there's a feeling that I think most people don't admit this. I, I, okay, I don't know what most people admit. I found it hard to admit this at first. The main reason why I didn't want you to cry or be sad was because I worried how it would reflect back on me, what it might mean about me, what it might say about me. If you're sad or you're crying, especially if you're doing that a lot, fuck, maybe I'm not a good partner. What if she's sad about me? And especially some of the things you were sad about were the relationship. Mm. And ironically, some of the things you were sad about was that I wouldn't just let you be sad. Mm. I would try and fix it. And then you would get sad about that. And you'd be like, can you just let me cry for a little bit so I can feel better? And I'd be like, no, come on, crying is negative. I had this weird story that crying is negative. I don't think it's weird. I think most men have that story. Agreed. And I think to be fair, even early, early, early on, even when I first met you, you were really pretty understanding there was just definitely just a threshold of like there's a certain amount that is okay and after that like we're done like enough that's enough you've had your like however many minutes yeah i would like let you cry for allocated, a bit, didn't i yeah allocated times per, per i'd be week, like you cried month. for two hours that's enough come on get over it like, yeah it's, it's done now like fucking so there, hell. there was a level like you you could it definitely wasn't a complete intolerance to it but there was a, a limit to it let's just put it like i that. did yeah i forgot about that yeah yeah, and in doing so, I was basically saying, look, you can bring out your feelings for a little bit, but then we got to suppress them again as if that's fucking healthy. I was doing my best. You were. And I didn't have the tools. And to be clear, to everyone listening, well, nothing that we're saying here today is us telling you what to do. Let's say that first and foremost. We're never going to tell you what to do, especially not in a relationship where you have two people coming together. So it's twice as complex and complicated and mm-hmm. messy and beautiful and amazing. But- one thing that really helped is me just, yeah, really being okay with you feeling whatever you're feeling rather than trying to, you know, you have to bottle it up after you've said too much. I think that's just, yeah, anyway, one of the tools that's really helped that we've used for the last couple of years is if I do get to a point where I feel like, look, I can't just listen to you keep crying for whatever, or it's not that I can't, I don't want to. And that still happens to this day sometimes. We both have moments and I think yeah. we're both really good at saying like, hey, I can't deal with this right now for whatever reason. We don't even phrase it like that anymore. Sure. We don't use the word can't. If sure. You it's like, it, I, I don't want to be a part of this right now. Yeah. I would like to, I'd like to be, I, I don't want to give this to you right now. I don't want to be here for you in this way right now. Or I'd like to do my own thing or just look, I have a lot going on right now. I don't think that I can give you this or I don't want to give you this, but what can I give you instead? Like maybe tonight I might have more energy. Tomorrow I might have more energy and I can listen to you. In the meantime, what if you talk to this friend? What if yeah. you talk to this person? And sometimes the solution is just like, how can you get this through other channels, through somebody yeah. else, in other ways? And that's all stuff that we have to build. That took us, well, yeah, that that took us quite a few years to build all of that. Basically what we're talking about is like a support network and both of us had to do it individually and we helped each other with it, obviously, but- Building out our own individual support networks. I think a lot of people in relationships, and we certainly did for the first couple of years, they rely on each other 100% for emotional regulation. In other words, if one of them is sad, they immediately look to the partner and say, you're the one that has to fix this. Mm. And it's like, well, first of all, if you're sad, that's your responsibility. And that doesn't mean nobody's there for you. No, quite the opposite. But first and foremost, it starts with you. We call that stoicism. So you can just read any stoicism books. You can read, you can't afford the luxury of a negative thought. You can take my video course, which is $1. That's the play to win mindset video course. That's down below. 
all of these different tools of learning how to be there for yourself, basically. Mm. But then the second thing is, what about my friends? What about watching a funny movie or funny YouTube videos or going for a walk or journaling or counseling or coaching? All of these different tools. And we've both gotten better at building out those emotional stability networks. What would you call them? Those support systems. Support systems. Yeah. 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 For for when you're really feeling down and you're really feeling stressed or even just when some stuff is bothering you a little bit. And I think we do a pretty good job of balancing out. We probably use each other for support like 50% of this. It might even be less than that, honestly. Mm. Maybe like 25% of the time. Maybe less. I don't know. It'd be really hard to quantify it. But it it did feel like for the first couple of years, it felt like I was using you for support maybe, I don't know, 70% of the time, maybe 50% of the time. A lot, a lot. Mm. And it felt like you were using me for support. At times, it felt like you were using me like 98% of the time. Yeah, we kind of built that into the early stages of the relationship. and then Yeah, had- because you didn't have that support. You just hadn't built it yet. You hadn't had time to build it yet. Yeah, and probably you were the first person who introduced me to quite a few concepts. And because that was the case, it felt like you had all of this knowledge and you were the person to go to when talking about self-development and learning to assert myself and so on. But over the years, it's been like a gradual unlearning of that, I guess, dependence and and learning to be more independent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I interrupted, but yeah. Um, And that was maybe one of the things that we worked on a lot or I worked on a lot is being okay because I think I was incredibly dependent on your advice and your guidance and the relationship at times, I felt very not okay when things weren't feeling fantastic in the relationship. And so if it felt like I wasn't feeling super close to you or we were a bit distant or disagreeing about certain things, I often found that very, very hard to deal with. And that's one of the very big changes that now if things aren't going great between us, for the most part, I'll go off my own, go back home and just chill, take the day off and do stuff that I feel yeah you don't even care and then i feel fine yeah and so to be clear yeah it it really did feel like in the first couple of years any tiny little thing like even if i was literally just stressed or something because i'd had like three big coaching calls that day and my coaching calls you know can go for like three hours per call so if i'd sat there for like eight or nine hours of coaching and i was just mentally exhausted like utterly drained If I then saw you that evening and you were like, hey, baby, you know, and you wanted to do something, you want to have sex or you wanted to be cuddly or something. And I was just like fucking drink. If I just had nothing, it would sometimes feel like you were a little bit worried. You were like, hey, is everything okay?" kind of thing? Like, why aren't we as close? And if Mm -hmm. that happened a few times in a row, you'd feel like shit. Like we're not as close as we used to be. Like you don't have as much energy. You used to stress about my energy levels. You'd be like, shit, like, honey, you're just really tired. Like, I feel like you don't have as much energy for us. And that feels like such a minor thing now. That That's not even something that, would, that you would give a shit about now. But back in the day, that used to, like, really upset you because you're right. Like, I was your emotional network. I was your self-improvement network. You were basically getting all of your self-improvement through me. Like, mm. and so if I just didn't even have much energy, you felt like, holy shit, what am I supposed to do? Just sit here twiddling my thumbs? waiting until you feel better, Andy? Like, well, how do I improve myself in the meantime? It was like I was your only teacher and sometimes I just didn't show up for the job. Not that it was a job, but you get what I mean. 
Whereas as we've built out your support network and my own as well, you know, I have a much bigger support network than I did back then. I have coaches and shit like that. And so do you. And we'll talk about them in a second. The coaches that we both have and the counselors, you see a therapist, you have several coaches. I have a couple of coaches or now I just have one coach. And as we've built all that out, yeah, we don't give, like, you don't give a shit now if I'm lower in energy. Maybe if it happened for like three months nonstop, then you might be like, hey, honey, I kind of missed when we would go outside and do shit. Sure. But you just care so much less and I care so much less. Mm. I, to be clear, I used to be bothered by things too. Mm. If you were crying multiple days in a row, I used to get really upset over that. Mm. I would be like, this isn't okay. Like, how am I supposed to enjoy the relationship mm. if she's crying multiple days in a row? How am I supposed to make love to her if she's really sad right now? How am I supposed to go for walks with her? Remember we used to go for walks sometimes and you would just like randomly get really sad and it still happens now every now and then. But you used to get like sad and I would just be so freaking upset because I'd be like, I came out here to go on a walk mm. and have an adventure and I just worked a really long, and I wouldn't be yelling when I said this, but I would be like very emotional. And I'd be like, I just spent the whole week like doing all these coaching calls and now it's our weekend. It's our one day together. We, we spent more days than, but like this is our one full day that we've put aside. It's like a couple's day. We call it a weekly check-in or a weekly accountability day. Mm -hmm. We spend the entire day keeping each other accountable and talking through the relationship and talking about what we want to improve and what we're really happy with and what we're grateful for. Mm -hmm. It's like a couple's day. You could call it that. We've done that every day for the last, I don't know, three or four years, mm. five years. I don't know. And yeah, on that day, if you were ever sad, I was not okay with that. I really wasn't okay with that. Whereas now, if you're sad, which still happens sometimes, mm -hmm. you were sad yesterday or the day before because you're a human being sometimes you get bothered by stuff mm. and now if you're sad i'm just like i don't mind like why why the fuck would i give a shit like there's been times recently where we might be in public and you might be processing something or talking through something and you know generally speaking women cry more than men is that a fair statement mm -hmm. and so you are more likely to cry than me and part of how you deal with stuff like you yourself is you cry through things and it might just be a few tears that are falling. Sometimes it's deeper crying, but it's usually just a few tears falling down your face as you talk through something and then you let it go. Mm -hmm. Like you watch, we watched a fucking children's movie last night and you were crying <laughs> several times. And sometimes yeah. I cry over children's movies. I cry over a lot of an animated movies too. Fine. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're like, you're the one that just cries at the drop of a hat. And so we were regularly we'll be out in public now and you'll cry. And man, I can just remember the times when I wasn't okay with that back in the past, like years ago, mm. and how I would just be looking around and being like, fuck, is anyone looking that she's, what if they think that I made her cry? What if they think I'm a bad boyfriend? And do you remember that one time years ago where you were crying mm -hmm. I and, I, and I was holding you, we were in public, mm -hmm. it was at night, we were crying, you were crying, I was holding you. Yeah, we're in Melbourne City. You were crying about your father? No. I don't know. Something was going on at the time. I you were crying about something that didn't have anything to do with me even, but you were just crying about something and I was holding you. And some guy literally was like skating around us and he literally was like, he, he didn't yell, but he said loudly to you, he's lying to you. That guy, you know, me. He's lying to you. Whatever he's saying, don't believe it. Like he's sure. just, he, he was, it wasn't, he was joking. the way that you're phrasing it is aggressive. He was like being silly and yes. jokey and like. But that 
was the fear that I always had. And maybe a lot of people have that, which is like, if my partner is crying in public, people are going to think that I must have done it. And maybe I cheated on her and I'm trying to make it better or I hit her or she hates me or I broke her heart or like, does this reflect poorly on me? I think a lot of parents have that too, when their kids draw attention, because I 100%. see that a lot. How many parents literally will say to other people, oh, I'm sorry. And it's like, why are you sorry? Your kid is crying. Why are you sorry? Mm. Did you make your kid cry? No, it's a kid. It just cries randomly because, I don't know, it didn't get ice cream in the last five minutes. Or, Any I don't know, it saw a reasons. bug and then it, you said, hey, don't eat the bug. And then it started fucking crying, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> kids just cry. And, yeah, I used to just get so upset over that. But like I said, the other day you were crying. And you cry, I don't know, once every, like, two weeks. Maybe more than that. It's probably more than that. Proper crying once a week, twice a week. Yeah, because that's just how you deal with shit. Yep. And I can see it as that now. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's dealing. Like, literally, I don't even notice. Like, literally, what's in my brain now? Even if we're in public and you're bawling your eyes out and we're walking, you know, and you're, like, drying your eyes as we're walking through a busy, crowded shopping mall or something. And I'm sure people look and, like, tears falling down your, your face as we're walking. I'm not thinking, like, what does that say about me? Or what do they think about her? Or what? I'm just like, she's crying. Like, mm. I don't even notice anymore. Like literally there's no, you could probably measure my heartbeat and it probably stays exactly the same when you start crying versus when you don't. Whereas in the past, holy shit, I would go into like panic mode almost if you were crying, especially in public. Are you serious? I'd be like, we have to fix this. How do we fix this? What do we do? What's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. And you'd be like, I just need to cry for a little bit. I'm just thinking about, I don't know, my childhood. Or I'm thinking about this problem that we're working through. I'm thinking about something in the past. I'm thinking about this sad movie that I fucking watched. I'm a woman. I cry sometimes. Mm. And I just be in like, holy shit, we have to fix this. We have to fix this. And in mm. doing so, yeah, what I trained you to do was like, like in, in me never being okay with you crying, especially in public, what did I train you to do? To, do? to bottle things up. And funnily enough, that just meant that I'd bottle and bottle and bottle. I'd feel more distant from you. I'd probably distance myself from you. I wouldn't feel so close to you. But at some point, it still comes out as like is a, a much more intense reaction. Like yeah, something more will intense. set me off, and I'm having a, like a massive breakdown. Or maybe I feel resentful and frustrated, and it, it yeah, it kind of it just builds up. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean it goes away. Yeah, it just goes stronger and stronger, than, and then it explodes. Mm. I think maybe another thing that we weren't super great at, but we embraced the fact that we weren't perfect at it and we've improved it, is you weren't always great at being stoic mm. or independent. I know we've kind of covered those two things, but I think you have now built out that network, that support network of like, okay, if I'm sad, what do I do? If I'm upset about something, what do I do? If I want some advice, what do I do? Mm. And now I, like Andy, am just one of those items on that list that you go to when you want to be a bit more stoic or a bit more like when you want some answers or some solutions. I'm just one of many people that you can turn to for advice. Yeah. As you've said, we've both got coaches now that we regularly turn to. Like I have an eating coach. I have a relationship psych that I see. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I just talk about how I'm feeling in the relationship. What's going on? Like, is there anything that I want to process or work on or deal with or change? I feel a lot more comfortable talking to my friends about majority of things. It, it's just having more ways, tools, people to help me deal with things. And you similarly have a coach that you work with to help deal with your own peace and happiness yep. as well. Yeah, for sure. And like 10,000 self-help books that I read and 
yeah, I'm always working on that stuff. I think something else you're now much better at is being okay if the relationship isn't 100% perfect. And I'm obviously better at that too. Yeah, which is what we said. We just go on and do our own thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, we we like literally don't give a shit. Whereas you did used to have this thing where if the relationship wasn't 100% perfect. And I think that was more extreme when we'd first moved interstate together. I didn't have any family or friends up here. You only had me, yeah. So, it was literally just you. There was nobody else here. I felt quite lonely. I didn't- to be clear, we both knew that wasn't healthy. Remember how much I pushed you literally in the first day we got here. I was like, listen, yeah. at least I have all of my international friends like on, I, I have a bunch of friends like on Telegram and shit like that. And I had my audience to some extent. You, the audience, have always, you guys and girls have been lovely. So I've had a lot of people it's felt like. Mm. But you, we moved here and you knew nobody. Yeah. And on top of that, simultaneously, I quit my job to work on the business with you. Mm-hmm. And that was even like more so the case because I was like, well, now I'm financially dependent on this. And so, if things don't go well, I don't, I've just quit my job and can't get it back that easily and would have to find new work and don't have family to fall back on. So, yeah, there were, there were lots of factors that kind of went into that intensified dependence. But again- over the years, it's been a very conscious effort for us both to have our own lives and to be able to deal with our own challenges independently. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think we've built very independent lives that happen to be together. And I think that's I think that's a recipe. It's part of the recipe for a long-term successful relationship. And anyone listening, you can take that with a grain of salt. We've only been together for six years, right? It's not like we've been here for 50 years and we can tell you all the secrets of a happy relationship. But for a lot of you listening, six years would be wonderful. Six years is still a long time. It is. Especially where we're at right now. And we've talked about this in YouTube videos. We did a YouTube video recently called How to Never Ever Fight Ever Again. Mm. And we basically talk about how we don't really fight anymore. Mm. Like, I can't remember the last time we had a fight or a dis- like even a disagreement. Yeah, it's been a long time. And that's like six years in the making. That was, <laughs> we've, I would say our relationship has probably been from my side of things, my number two prior, maybe, yeah, number two priority. I don't think that's ever really changed. My number one priority would be like, my own self-improvement, like my independence, whatever you want to call that. Mm -hmm. I'd say my number two would be the relationship. And then number three would be my content and my coaching and this community and my business, like all of that together. The kill you're in a loser project. I would say that's below our relationship for me, like quite a lot below. Mm -hmm. And it's still very important to me, obviously. The point that I'm making is for me, the relationship has been a very fucking high priority because I really wanted to make it work. I really wanted to improve. It's something I'm really passionate about. I really, really, really care about. I care about you, obviously, but I think I care about the concept of a relationship and building that, Mm -hmm. the loyalty and all of that around it. I care about the ideal of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, I think putting that above the actual relationship itself probably has helped, Mm -hmm. right? It's like if you're doing content, if somebody out there is doing content or they're a coach or something, Rather than saying, or or even if you're just building a business, rather than saying, I want this business to be the best business ever, which is wonderful, I would put an ideal higher than that. I would put integrity or honesty 
or loving my customers or making customers happy. I would put some ideal above the business itself because if you just put the business as your highest ideal, then all you really care about is money. Like really all you really give a shit about there is money. And we all know exactly how that goes. Like everybody knows how that goes. Nobody's like, oh yeah, putting money as your highest ideal is the best way to build a beautiful, amazing business that people love. Fuck no. Putting an ideal or a philosophy of customer satisfaction. I want to love my audience. I want to build a community. I want to build a family. I just want to do some good in the world. I want the world to be a better place than I, I want to leave the world better than I found it. Putting those ideals, build something fucking sensational mm. and something amazing. And ironically makes you more money anyway, makes you, or makes you the same amount of money, but just with far more love mm. and your customers or your clients want you to win if you set that as the ideal. And so I've done that in our relationship and then you want it to succeed. I want it to succeed because we're both building a beautiful relationship rather than just, I want to be happy in this relationship. We've gone, let's build something beautiful together. Let's go to the moon together. We both have matching moon tattoos mm -hmm. on our forearms because that's kind of been the idea we've had with the relationship. It's like, let's take this relationship to the moon. Let's build something that just goes to the moon. Mm. Let's wrap up, I guess, unless there's something else you would like to add. We can give little bits of advice, I guess. Give yourself permission to suck. Be willing to learn and grow and listen to like what your partner has to say. Yep. Because you're, you're, both of you are probably wrong <laughs> because they're probably just having a different experience to you because they're a different person. So you yep. can both simultaneously be wrong or both simultaneously be right. Yeah, it's not about right or wrong. Mm. It's more every disagreement or every conversation or every different perspective that you might have. You know, they might want to wake up early and you might want to wake up late. Rather than seeing it as like they're wrong and I got to change their mind, or maybe I'm wrong and they're trying to change my mind, you instead just go, oh, we just have a different rule book. Mm. They operate under life with a different rule book or a different set of rules or preferences than I do. Cool. Another one is everybody's just doing their best which applies to your, your partner, obviously, if you mm. can look at them and saying, they're just trying to do their best. You know, if your husband or your boyfriend or whatever doesn't put the dishes away five nights in a row or something, he's just doing his best. He's not trying to be a, a shit boyfriend. Mm. And then if you can take that and apply that to yourself as well, mm. and so not judge yourself or put this pressure on yourself to be amazing or perfect, you know, the perfect wife or the, the perfect husband, mm -hmm. you know, happy wife, happy life, fuck that. But if you can just say, I'm just trying to do my best too. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's okay that I'm not perfect. It's okay that I snapped at my partner. It's okay that we just had an argument. Mm. I think if you can, after an argument or even a big giant fucking fight, a big messy fight, you pick up your computer mouse and you throw it across the room. <laughs> yeah. I just said computer mouse because that's the only thing that's close to me right now. You throw it. How cool would it be if I actually don't, threw this right now? I'm, I'm not going to. I like, I like this mouse so much. This is a beautiful <laughs> mouse. Not sponsored, but Logitech MX Master 3S. Best mouse. I specifically looked up best I think mice I've had of all time. Somebody talk about not you. This is talk about constantly that recommended. It's like if you're looking for a microphone on YouTube, the one that comes up the most is this one that we've got right here, right now. And guess what, everybody listening? I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to figure it out. It's the microphone that Joe Rogan has. There you go. Okay. Whatever. It's called the Shure SM8B. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> no. Anyway. But even if you're having this big fight and you throw your mouse across the room and then she throws her fucking, what do women have? She throws her cupcake across the other yeah, side. Yeah, just women cupcake just always on me at cupcakes. all times. Women are obsessed with cupcakes. Her throw pillows. 
love a good yeah, thing. Yeah, I got you there, didn't I? <laughs> so she throws her pillows across the room and you throw your computer mouse across the room. You guys have this massive big argument, this big fight. Afterwards, if you can just say, yeah, that was messy. Yeah, I called her a dumb whore. Yeah, I, she called me a stupid little fuck boy. You know, <laughs> yeah. She called me a small willy prick. Nice. You know, we called each other all these things that maybe weren't the loveliest or the kindest, but fuck, man, I'm just a human. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that again, but, you know, how can, how can we improve just a little bit? So even if we do fight again, it's a little bit less messy. Mm-hmm. I think if you can be willing to go deep in that, and maybe we can do a podcast on that. Maybe at some point we can do content on how to, how to fight better. Mm-hmm. I, I want a better phrasing of it than that, but something like that. Like, look, if you are going to fight, Here's how to do it a little bit better. I would love something like that on domestic violence too. I'd be willing to go there if you are, or I'd mm-hmm. at least do it by myself. Because I think generally speaking, the advice on domestic violence is ready. Get this Don't do it. radical notion. Wow, what a beautiful, no one has ever thought of this before. Hey, stop hitting your wife. And I'm, I'm mocking that because that advice is so fucking inanely stupid. That's like the dumbest thing you could ever say to someone who's beating their wife. Or a woman that attacks her husband or something. It's like, hey, stop doing that. They're like, oh, gee whiz, yeah, thanks. I didn't know that this was not something that I want to do. Thanks. Yeah, I'm going to stop right now immediately. Yeah, because I'm in full control of this. And I'm definitely abusing my husband or my wife because I'm choosing to logically and rationally. Mm. It's not because I have anger management issues or I'm believing my own stories or because I was abused or whatever. So I would love to and I'd be very willing to get in there and do a podcast and go, look, if you are currently in a domestic violence relationship Mm. and you want to stay you know first option is like you're allowed to leave obviously i would probably encourage that for a lot of people Mm. but i don't think that's a a fix for everybody i think a lot of people hear that and just feel shamed and they're like oh so you're just you're telling me that i'm a piece of shit i think this will be a good full video for another time yeah for sure but my general we could do content on that of like how to actually slowly get better because i think that's something that we did there wasn't domestic violence but it was like we would fight and argue and sometimes say things to each other that we would regret afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, why did I say that? And we learned how to improve that. And literally that was how we did it. It's like, how can I, if we're going to do this again, I don't want to fight ever again. But look, it's happened like 10 times in the last, I don't know, six months, 12 months, whatever. It might happen again. How can we do a little better next time? Like when I was in that moment, it's like you have to really go in there too. You have to remember what you were like in that moment and be like, fuck, when I was really angry and I said she was a piece of shit or she said I'm a a fucking asshole, Mm. what was I thinking in that moment? Why did I say that? Well, I was trying really hard to hurt her. Literally, I was just trying to hurt her. Why? Because I wanted to be right. Because I felt like she had hurt me. Okay, what if I go to my partner and say that? And I say, I felt like you had hurt me in that moment. And you do this after the fight, like do this like a couple days later when you're chill. I thought you'd hurt me in that moment. And so I tried to hurt you. Were you actually trying to hurt me with your statement? And then you would say, no, I I don't think I was. I think a part of me was trying to hurt you, but maybe you misinterpreted it. And you can kind of explore that and go, fuck, Mm -hmm. you weren't trying to hurt me. Holy Mm -hmm. shit. And so anyway, we could do a separate topic on this, but yeah, I would love to do something on that. Basically, we got better at arguing we got more compassionate in our arguments and our disagreements. And then they stopped being arguments and they just became disagreements. And then from there, we got even more compassionate with our disagreements. And now they're not even disagreements. It's more just like, oh, that's your perspective. This is mine. Cool. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
it's not even a disagreement because we can see things as not binary anymore. So, yeah, yeah I think coaches and counselors also helped us. Weekly check-ins and annual reviews where we mm -hmm. talk about the relationship, like having a couple's day. Mm -hmm. And I think more than anything, both of us wanting the relationship to be 0.1% better every week. 100%. I think that more than anything. Yeah. All right, we shall wrap up. But before we finish, if anyone would like help with this, what can they do? Or any other topic, what can these lovely people do? They can reach out for coaching or even better than that, you can book in a once-off one-hour call for only 200 US dollars where you can talk about anything you want in that hour. Pick your brain. And to be very clear, you would be very happy to come on these calls. Yeah. But, and we won't charge any of you any extra. So you can do a once-off call with us. Any of you that sign up for the coaching program, Imogen will happily come on any coaching call. Yeah, 100%. You'd probably even be happy to come to the group coaching calls, like if someone's just in the group coaching program. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. know how it's run, but yeah. give it a shot. And I would obviously check with everybody in the group to make sure they're all okay with you being there, but I'm pretty sure they'd be okay sure. with you being there. And like they all know you, they all talk about you. Like you're very much a big part of yeah. the content anyway. And everybody's pretty open-minded, even with all the stuff that we talk about in there that's sensitive. It's a very non-judgmental, very open, welcoming place. So- yeah, coaching is there. What is one happy story that you've heard me mentioning about a coaching client or about coaching? I want to hear your perspective because I know what I enjoy about coaching, but you as a third party. <laughs> Who gets told about a lot of Yeah, I talk successes. about coaching all the time. I get yeah. so happy and yeah. Well, the female client that you're currently working with who is exploring sex and BDSM and mm -hmm. all of that, but also, I guess, just herself you have mentioned she's on the self-improvement train very much yeah yeah you have mentioned that she is very much learning how to just live a life of doing what she wants to do mm. and i know you did a video series on it recently about there not being any rules mm. it sounds like she is breaking down a lot of the rules that she's carried her whole life and figuring out that she doesn't have to do a lot of things and maybe has been doing a lot of things that she feels like she has to and that's pretty phenomenal because that's like a life-changing concept that you – and you've been very excited telling me about that and I've been so excited hearing that. Mm. Somebody realizing that they can live the life that they want. Yeah. And she's in her 40s, I believe, and she has like four kids and she's like a CEO of like – or she started and manages and, you know, is a big part of like two or three companies, I think. And she has like, you know – all of this just crazy life that she lives. And to hear her say, because she said it to us a couple of weeks ago, she's like, you know, the biggest thing I got from this coaching program so far is that I'm allowed to do what I want. Mm. And I don't just have to be the mother that does like literally everything all the time that other people want. And I have to be the, you know, agreeable CEO or board member or whatever that just does what other people want. Like I'm allowed to do what I want mm. and I'm allowed to have the life that I want. Just seeing her embrace that freedom, man, that's been so beautiful. And really humbling because, again, this is a woman who's older than me, far more mature in life than me. And for us to still be able to give her something as beautiful as that, that realization, to help her have that realization has just been absolutely amazing. So if any of you would love coaching, I'll leave a link in the description below. As always, go out there and crush your goals.